And so our scripture this morning, as we are, I'm sorry, <laughs> as we are here on the fourth Sunday of Advent, is going to be Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 55. I am very um, grateful to Reverend Eldridge, to Lori Eldridge for being here and giving us our message this morning. And so I turn it over to her. Good morning. Again, I wanna thank Pastor Josie for inviting me to be here this morning to bring you the message. Uh, we do pray that uh, she has successfully completed her semester and that now she can take time to enjoy these holy days. Would you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Today on the Plymouth campus at Faith Community, there will be a live nativity. It's happening in both surfaces. It's a beautiful experience to be able to interact with characters and to see the live animals. Most live nativities are told through our 20, 21st century eyes. But it's difficult to transcend time and geography to truly return to Bethlehem of the first century, to Palestine and to the Judean hills. The Judean hills are desert, limestone rock, plateau, and highlands. To the east is the Dead Sea. People in this area live nomadic lives, constantly moving their, their goats and sheep to areas where they can graze. When visiting there in 2014, we were fortunate to see a camel herder moving his herd. And they were moving very slowly, so we were able to get lots of pictures. They were moving slowly because at the end of the line was a female and her calf. The herders would continually turn to look after them. They needed to be continually on the watch for anything or anyone that might threaten their livestock and their family. And nothing has changed in this regard in 2000 years. Living in these highlands is a very hard life. There are a few notable settlements in the Judean Hills, Jerusalem, King David's holy city, and a few miles away, Bethlehem, a small village with fields where shepherds kept their sheep for temple sacrifice. It is in this setting where Elizabeth greets Mary. Our scripture is from Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 55. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to the Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, 
and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt with joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my soul rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely now, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the, the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. According to the promise he has made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Blessed are you among women. Filled with the Holy Spirit, these are the first words of Elizabeth to Mary. To be blessed means to find favor with. Elizabeth confirmed what the angel Gabriel had already told Mary. You have found favor with God. Before Mary ever responded to the news of this miraculous event about to, to take place, she had found favor with God. Luke is silent on why. We don't know how it is she found favor. All the Gospels are silent on her background. But what we know is her first response was to trust God, to trust the messenger. Here I am, O Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Luke's gospel is an account of women. Yes, it's the good news of Jesus Christ and tells of his interactions and relationships with his disciples, but it's also filled with stories about women, more than 20, more so than the other synoptics and the gospel of John. The story we look at today is about the courage of Mary, her relationship with Elizabeth, and their response to their particular roles in the birth narratives. The lessons are not just for women, though. They are for everyone. When we see Mary in greeting cards, pictures in the Bible, even icons, 
She's often portrayed as demure, as meek and shy. Mary is a young teenager, about 12 or 13. And a girl of that age in ancient Palestine was considered a young woman and theoretically prepared to manage her husband's home. When marriages were arranged, they came with blessings and they came with terror. Mary was not naive. There were uncertainties, especially of the young mother's own survival, because certainly there would be children very soon. I believe Mary was courageous in her response to God, agreeing to be the mother of God or God-bearer. And she was resilient. Resilient because her second response was to take action and seek out help. Newly engaged and pregnant, who could she talk to about what was happening to her? What did it mean to her physically or spiritually? Who could guide her? Ordinarily, we would turn to our mothers. But there is no word about her parents. While the apocryphal Gospel of James names her as Anne, she's never mentioned in canonical scripture. Anne is noticeably absent. So Mary turns to her kinswoman, Elizabeth, older in years and in her sixth month of pregnancy. She would understand. But to visit, Mary had to travel 80 to 100 miles, a trip that would take five to 10 days, and it was dangerous. We don't know how she travels from Nazareth to the Judean hills, but we do know she gets there. Some have theorized that this may have been the first leg of the journey to Bethlehem and that Joseph would have taken her as he attempted to possibly put her away, save her embarrassment. But again, she had to trust God. Trusting God is a central theme in her life, even as she takes action. Now there are some great practical aspects to this relationship between Mary and Elizabeth. They become a support to one another. Elizabeth, we're told, has been in seclusion for five months. Now she will have companionship. And Mary, she has a mentor in Elizabeth. When Mary arrived unexpected, it didn't matter that the house may have been a bit disheveled or that there was only simple basic food or that Elizabeth probably still had a hundred things to do to prepare for the baby she greeted Mary with joyful hospitality. Blessed are you among women. This greeting reminds us of Hannah 
when she conceived Samuel, for three months, they shared daily life together. They shared in the, the daily task of managing a household. As the Holy Spirit moves within them with their babies growing, Elizabeth now with, with a little bit of a baby bump, and Mary just beginning to experience new life, I can imagine their holy conversation about these miracles taking place. They're ordinary women and blessed with the power of the Holy Spirit active in their lives. Yes, God was with them already. In modern terms, we might think of this as a, a practical mentorship and a spiritual mentorship. When God finds favor with us, there's always a purpose. Mary, to be the mother of our Savior, Elizabeth to birth a prophet. And for us to do something that, or be someone who demonstrates the, the greatness of God by being a blessing. If we receive a blessing, then we are to be a blessing. Elizabeth welcomed Mary, and it was a joy for the both of them. Mary sang out her praise. We, we know this passage of scripture as the Magnificat. It's her life song, a humble response that she delivers with grace. With all my soul, I will glorify the Lord. Her words recall the mighty acts of God and reveal how she lives her life. With her song, Mary found her voice. As I was thinking about this amazing story with these two beautiful women, I think about the people who mentored me, and I give thanks to God for them. My pastors in my home church, Mary Lou, who I interned with while in seminary, the people in my community who believed in me, I wasn't perfect, they weren't perfect, but there was grace and there was forgiveness. There was courage and there was love. These are all the elements that we find in Mary's story and in Elizabeth's story. I wonder how, as we trust God, we are being called. We each have the task of bearing or bringing God in Jesus Christ into the world by our word and by our action. Yes, we are going to meet resistance. Being a Christian, being a person of faith in the world is often difficult. We need to find our communities of support where we can be present for and to one another. As you think about this community of faith, who do you know that could assist 
or mentor you? And who might benefit from your wisdom? Because that's what Elizabeth brought to Mary. Who could you mentor? Who can assist you in lifting your voice to give glory to God and sing your life song? We never know where life is going to take us. Mary could not have known that she would very hastily up and move 80 to 100 miles south to visit her cousin or her kinswoman. And this past year has shown us that there are too many uncertainties. Yet we can be certain of this. One of the most important characteristics of God's love is faithfulness. God who loves us is with us. God who loves us travels with us. Wherever we go, we are never alone. In Jesus who has come and is coming again. And while we wait for his return, God has not left us alone. As God sent the Holy Spirit to be with Mary, to be with Elizabeth, God sends the divine spirit to guide our way, to fill our hearts and our minds, to be the very breath of God within us. I pray that the breath of God may turn our voices to praise and become our life song, a positive life force, and be a blessing. Would you pray with me? Oh, holy, divine God, we thank you for your promised son, Jesus, and for Mary's courage to become God-bearer. Thank you for the holy relationships you give to us. May we have the courage to be God-bearers today. Fill us with joy. That feeling that comes from knowing you, knowing that you are with us and caring for us. Fill us with love, remembering that you sent Jesus to be our light and our salvation. May we offer Christ to the world, offering love and peace to all peoples. Glory to God. Amen.